And welcome back to the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. And I'm Darren. I'm Duncan. And today we're going to be talking about the importance of recording quality. Yeah. And uh, music production. I think it's going to be a very, very interesting topic to discuss and how it affects the whole chain, um, what we do, uh, what the future, how how uh, these artists will be perceived in the future, and uh, we're going to get into all those details. Yeah. Um, so real deep. Uh, we usually uh, start off with talking about what's going on uh, between Duncan and I with uh, with our audio systems and. Yeah. Um, Duncan, what's going on with you, man? What's going on lately with me? Um, well, I've um, I blew a fuse this week. That was a little sad. Still haven't figured out why because I've got a replacement fuse in there and it works just fine. Um, the amp was on for a long time, so maybe that was it. You know, it was just on all day and. I think I think I turned it on in the morning and turned it and it, and it blew somewhere around ten thirty or eleven p.m. at night. <clears throat> but I popped, you know, the old generic fuse I used to have in there, and and the system wasn't the same, you know, which is just infuriating. Um, that, but it, you know, as we've talked about, we've learned what types of things make what type of you know effect on the whole system, and it's a whole system, so. I'm not too surprised given how um, resolving my stereo system is, but so I'm fuseless and uh, ordered another one, but um, it'll take a little bit to get here. Uh, in the meantime, at work, I, uh, and by the way, I'm Duncan, I work at the music room, the um, world's largest uh, or world's leading reseller in high end audio gear. And we get some interesting stuff sometimes. Uh, I've seen, you know, Furatech outlet covers, I've seen these little pigtail things you put on your speakers that supposedly tighten the bass that just strap across things. I've got my talked about the synergistic research crossover tweaks. And so I, I noticed there was a Furutech outlet, uh, just kicking around at work, uh, in the lineup it's for sale. And, and, um, and what did you notice with that? With that well, change? it's an NCF. So it's their nano crystal formula. And I've actually, uh, fan of that because i uh have one of those on the iec inlet i have uh some ncf um you know ac connectors so i was i was looking forward to this uh thinking you know that this would be a a serious upgrade from my outlet as it was and um and it is yeah so uh i installed it and in the act of installing it noticed that the old outlet was a little loose the wires were you know that they've got this um clamp mechanism um for the for the bare wire and uh at least one of those i i don't know i just felt like i could move the wire a little too much and and so um it was great i just uh took the old outlet off i actually stripped back new copper you know okay. because it was nice and tarnished and you and turn the breaker off first right i actually did not oh okay you just want to wake yourself up a little bit <laughs> yeah you know? i just want to live dangerously okay. all right no that that part of the story is that uh, i live in a new house we moved in in february and the breaker has you know tons of zones and and nothing uh, uh organized or labeled Zero. Hold on, hold on. So you you're not joking. You actually didn't turn. I'm the not joking. Off? I don't know what breaker goes to what in my house. Okay, okay. Like I'm gonna well, have to. Well, well, for those listening, always 
turn the breaker always off always turn the breaker off first <laughs> so what i did instead was wear big leather gloves and and i did everything one wire at a time so i started with the ground and then went to the neutral and then did the hot last very carefully and uh <clears throat> and i was wearing these leather gloves and 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 using my snips that had uh you know rubber on the handles so yeah uh, it was dangerous but i did it Okay, uh, we do not to recommend uh, that's right, that's right. doing that at all. It's <laughs> like the uh, <laughs> opinions expressed in this podcast are of the, uh, you know. Anyway, um, yeah, so I need to do that at some point. Just flip a breaker, go in the house, see what, maybe get on the walkie-talkie with my wife. Like, all right, what turned off now? And start yeah. labeling them. It's, yep. a, it's a huge pain in the butt. Uh, yeah, and you can... Um, I have no you idea. can get like little lights, you know, that just have plugs attached to them, or you can get these two prong plugs that that uh, you know a light bulb can screw into, or you can just use a lamp and plug the lamp into the uh, you know into the outlet and turn it on, and then go to your uh, br- breaker and and turn off what you think is the correct breaker and come back and check if the light's still on. Yeah, I just don't and, think um, any breaker is what I think it is because there's like <laughs> 30 of them and they're not labeled. So. Yep. I have no well, idea. Sa- safety first. Safety, safety first, Safety first, everyone. So, yes, uh, that's in my future <laughs> is I need to do this procedure where I turn off all the breakers. Ugh. Yep. Anyway, I do want to get in there to make sure that like all the breaker screws are tight and probably retighten everything and... You know, I've heard about noise coming from breakers because of loose connections. So, um, anyway, installed it, and uh, and you know, I could notice a change. I can always notice changes in my system. And uh, you know, when I fire up my tube amp uh, it, on a cold start, as you would call it, um, it's um, it's a little woolly to start with, right? But that's in comparison to where it gets. It actually sounds pretty damn good when you turn it on, but I know that it can get better. And usually what gets better is the top end, the mid-range mm-hmm. up. And um, and so I'm listening, um, and right away I'm getting placement of instruments and stuff in this Charlie Hunter album mm-hmm. that we recommended a couple podcasts ago. And and so I, what what I kind of noticed was was that an improvement in this warm-up process for my amp. And you have upgraded uh, connectors on all your power cables that are really nice terminations. And so, you know, this contact between the outlet and the the prong of the actual power cable, I think that's really what matters a lot, you know, and and the the resistance. I think so, too. uh, And and impedance, really, uh, at at AC frequencies um, between between the the actual outlet and the prong so and what Furtex says is that generally copper is not used in outlets because it's not bomb proof enough it's like not it's too malleable it's not strong enough mm-hmm. and uh so they'll they'll plate things and use like nickel plated brass or whatever um but what Furtex did was rhodium plate the copper to make it a lot stronger and um and so it actually is built in uh, out of copper so yeah it's it's very cool and then and then you have you also have that on the ground the earth ground as well and so you know your return current impedance has changed i suppose sure uh and so you know that that contact i mean that's more lossy than anything else in the whole cable yeah just the because you don't actually have two pieces 
of metal solder there you they're just in contact they're with each touching. other so yeah it's very true the outlets do matter a lot if you have really loose outlets i mean as outlets you know are used they become looser and uh i actually had a condo in boulder that um the power cables would be just like floating in them yeah you know just and out. uh imagine the contact issue with with impedance especially at rf um, yeah. the, the pressure on the, on the actual prong itself on the power cable is very important. Um, if you were to put in, you know, uh, 30 megahertz into that system and measure it, um, and put a loose, like just right. given like that, the outlet is the same type of outlet, like a, a worn and loose outlet. And look at how it affects the RF band versus a tight outlet. It would be actually different. Fascinating. Okay, the resonance yeah, frequency would be different. The if you had a capacitor that was maybe terminating uh, the other end of the cable, so that y- you know you're trying to shunt the high frequency on the one end of okay. the cable mm-hmm. to gr- to earth ground or something. So yep. that would be what we call like a a wide capacitor configuration. Yeah. Um, you would actually see, you would be able to easily measure the difference White capacitors between from, from some kind of signal or hot to ground, right? Uh, correct. So uh, common mode configurations uh, in what we call the, uh, the primary section of a, of a component, um, which means essentially before a transformer. Um, and you've talked about their use in um, Class D circuits as well. Yes. Um, yeah, and that's that's transformer less, or is that they still oh have no a class, transformer? Uh, class I mean, D. a switch mode Small power supply has a transformer, yeah. yep, yep, yep. and everything before that transformer is primary. So they, it's just they pure have primary. Yeah. They have more primary area than a linear design. Yeah, and uh, you also they of course have more RF um, artifacts that you want to remove as yep. well, and so uh, you know you got to use Y capacitors. Yeah. Uh, to to go from your line or your common, um, or your I mean line to neutral to ground. That's what a Y configuration is, and then an X capacitor is a capacitor that's been approved to uh, go between line and neutral. Yeah, between the two. Across so it, um, across it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes so sense. so anyways, I'm just saying that the. Huh. Yep. You know, the, the this is something that in RF you'd easily be able to measure. And if you have a much better contact and lower impedance at high frequency, um, the return current matters a lot. If I have a Y capacitor from line to to the earth ground there, um, if, if the return current or the return path is super low impedance compared to another outlet, uh, you're getting different RF performance. Yeah. And so, you know, this isn't all hocus pocus. It's, it no. matters. And yeah. if you have really loose outlets where your, you know, your cables are almost falling out or you have to prop them to a certain degree and, or they, you know, it's actually, uh, somewhat loose from the drywall, which is often the case after 20 years of use. And especially if you have these really stiff power cables, they kind of can torque the outlet, um, out of the out of the actual drywall itself and start to loosen everything. I mean, all this matters. I I, yeah. I I really think that you know you have to have a good quality outlet. Yeah. Um, and that that the contact area or the contact 
impedance really matters, um, especially on Earth ground. Yeah. So, so I'm a fan of the outlet, and it's an obvious upgrade, and I'm not trying to claim it brought some magic. I, I do think, though, that, uh, that there's some extra vibrance. I was paying attention to the dynamics, uh, and I do think that they're as good, if not a little better, uh, with this with this great outlet. So, yeah, my my system um, is sounding really good right now, and I've got another fuse on the way, so it'll sound back to its old old glory shortly. Mm. But um, I had a nice listening session last night, and let it warm up for several hours, and then had a short bit of listening, and it was just so great. Um, so I'm happy. Uh, one of the things that's that's cool. Another thing that's been happening with me is uh, yesterday. I shot a video for the first time. I was starring in a video for the music room where I work. And um, what I was doing is reviewing the new T9X subwoofer from REL. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So I brought a a pair of them back home with me on Wednesday. We uh, got a shipment from REL. And and what's great is I have the T9i. And this is just the next evolution in the T-series. And... um, it's cool. I, you know, listeners will know I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out the perfect placement for subs in my, my room. I've spent a lot of time isolating to make the bass not go everywhere, but the listening position. And, um, so it was easy enough for me to just take the new nine X and swap them right into the spot of the nine. I, um, footprints just slightly different. It's just slightly longer and and wider. It's it's shorter. The new ones are shorter than the old one, the old T and I and I. But um, <clears throat> it was great. I spent some time with it. They're just more powerful, the top to bottom, and so I had to adjust volume a little bit. Um, but I kept the crossover points the same, and I really enjoyed it. There's a there's a, a um, strength to the sustain that that it adds. Um, obviously like, you know, this, the, the realm of subs, that super low bass, like those ghost notes that are made when you pluck strings, you know, that yep. little thing that that's improved the ambiance for classical music, you know, the, the hall sound is improved. But, but one of the things that, uh, I thought was very, um, nice was, you know, after the initial pluck of a bass guitar an electric bass guitar string, then you have the sustain all the way through to the decay when it starts to decay and in real electric bass and real electric guitar can, you know great ones can have this sustain that's otherworldly but you know you throw a little compression pedal on there or something like that you can and so um yeah i just thought that that realistic i was getting more realism from bass instruments yeah and it was cool so uh, it's a definite upgrade, and um, if you want to see that video, um, it'll be out, I don't know, once it's edited in a week or two. So um, That's great, man. Pop on over to TMR Audio on YouTube and subscribe, and then you'll you'll see the first of many. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to do a lot of cool stuff. One of the things I'm going to do, which I think is really fun, um, was an idea from our owner, uh, Josh, that um, we, we look at what we've got at any moment. And I, I, I take a mind of synergy to our lineup of used gear, new gear, <clears throat> and I create a system, one system a month maybe, uh, called the synergistic setup, 
where I really pick some interesting components and, and do, do some listening and make sure that these things work together. And then I'm going to feature this system and talk about it. And then, uh, you know, we might, we might make it so that the whole system is purchasable, but I think it'll be more of just an exercise in like this, this whole audiophile thing that we're trying to do, which is understand the nature of each piece of gear and how it works together and craft a system that produces something that we're really, that makes us happy. So, so that's going to be a lot of fun. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats on that. Thanks man. Yeah. I was nervous, but we did a bunch of takes and it should be good. We'll see. Very cool. All right, man. What's been going on with you? Yeah. So, uh, this past week, um, I'm Darren Myers. I, I, uh, I'm an engineer for PS audio and, uh, we just released, uh, a new code load for sunlight, uh, sun, for the direct stream DAC called it's sunlight. Out. Yeah. And, um, and so that's really what I've been up to for, for a while now. Uh, it's just, you know, I didn't want to officially, uh, release the name until, you know, it, it, it left the, uh, or it was launched. It's a um, great name. So it's a great uh, name. It I'm, is the final operating system for the DirectStream uh, DAC. So you're announcing that it's the final. It is. Yeah. Yes. Cause, and because people know that PS Audio is going to produce a DirectStream two now. You know, yes. there's a lot of talk mm-hmm. on the forums about it. And, yep. Yeah. Um, Which would be a, hard, a hardware update, right? That that's actual a hardware update. Because yeah. so, we talked about the the PS Audio's DAC. Are, architecture and how it's unique yep. and it's a fpga but and this is absolutely you know it's a free update um they're always free and uh and it's, uh, it's just uh it, it's really the, what this does is it absolutely maxes out you know uh the capabilities of this fpga it's the, that's inside so it's just it's the magnum opus. there's yeah there's no okay. more there's nothing uh yeah there's nothing left as far as uh as as room room to grow as far as uh any, any sort of improvements uh that that well, it's, that Ted does so it's, he's again, really it's maxed it out and it's a massive upgrade yeah and Wyndham was so good but this wipes the the, the floor with Wyndham so yep. you know Wyndham is now is there a 14er named Sunlight uh it, yeah oh, okay mm-hmm. okay so, so I mean these are all sticking, mountain sticking mountain tops. With the mountain top yeah yeah teams. okay. Yeah, it might be a 13er, I'm not sure, because, okay. you know, we, we don't just do 14ers. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Um, so Colorado's but, got, what, 54, 52 it's a 14ers, lot. <laughs> and then 350 13ers? Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine, Derek, uh, is the youngest person in the world to summit all th- uh, 13ers. Okay. And uh, that's, yeah, that's a number of, like, 350 or 413ers in Colorado. And that's 13,000-foot mountain. Or Yep. Or more. Uh, it's, up to 14, um, once you get above twelve five, it starts taking a toll on you. You know. Oh yeah, above tree line, you, you're you're puffing. <laughs> like you're, you'll get to twelve five, and you'll just be like, "Hey, up. we got this." And then you're at like, you know, you're you just go up. Uh, you know, ten minutes later about of, of of like being above twelve five, and you're just taking breaks, huffing and puffing every, you know, every ten minutes stopping. You yeah, know what I used to do, is uh, is I'd slow my pace. As I'm getting above treeline and we're mm-hmm. going up to a pass, and I would think of a song, usually some slow like West Montgomery song, that I would run through my head and take and walk to that beat. Um, <laughs> I, I remember doing that because what you do is you just want, don't want a red line when you're getting up 
and you're trying to summit a pass or summit a mountain, you just slow down to the point where you're just below red line so that you don't go into oxygen debt and you're mm-hmm. <clears throat> and you can make it. So it's a very it's a very odd experience because you might be burning up, you might be really hot, you know, you're uh, the Colorado sun is is um, beating down on you, and uh, you're you're guzzling water because the altitude and the heat and the sun, and then you're like, you know, having to bypass areas with snow on the yeah, ground. Yeah, walking over. You know, it's a very it's very odd. You might even banks. have your shirt off and you're in snow. Mm-hmm. It's it's a very, you know, it, it's a very unique experience but uh yeah, I'm, dude i'm glad to have uh I, I love colorado and i i love having those experiences but but anyways going back to the the new mountaintop um so i had to do a bunch of listening uh for for this and so i've i've been doing i've been really working hard on this for the past month uh working with ted and doing listening and giving feedback and then he kind of you know, makes changes and says, Hey, where are we now? And so we kind of just like worked in this direction that just really optimized the, the, the code sonically. And, uh, and it was a lot of work. So yeah, that is really what I've been up to was the, the final launch was, um, was listening, you know, 12 hours a day, uh, all day. You are analog design engineer, senior analog design engineer, but you are PS audio's chief listener. In terms of product R and D, yeah, Paul, Paul and I, yeah, Paul and you, yeah. yeah. Well, that's really cool. I know that, um, you know, I know that the update for for DirectStream Junior, which I have, was incredible, and you know, I I've been very much enjoying the sunlight. Yep. So kudos. So to if you're you listening and, and, and you do have a DirectStream DAC or a DirectStream Junior, uh, we've uh, the code is now on the website, and you can download it for free. Cool, um, man. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, and that that listening we've talked about it before. It just takes so long for you to get through so many loads of mm-hmm. these things, and, and it's a disciplined thing. But these actions make you a better listener every time you do it. Yeah, and every owner of a Directstream DAC can go back in older revisions, even if you just bought one or you're planning on buying one um, now that sunlight is out. Uh, you can still roll the code back in older revisions and hear, you know, how the DAC is transformed through the years. Yeah, and, and we've talked about how to uh, increase your listening ability, how to mm-hmm. develop your listening ability. And this is one of these unique opportunities. It is. Where you can have one component. Yep. But it's it's almost like you have, and how many loads over there? You can go back 10 loads, I bet. And so... You can it's, go back as as uh, as old as you want. It's so it's like you have ten different components mm-hmm. that that you can now go and do this exercise of identifying, categorizing, yep, uh, you know, c- creating descriptors for these little differences. And this activity is what makes you a better listener. Yes, yeah. So it's pretty we, cool. We have, um, you know, some of the, the what I recommend is maybe listening to. Tories, and then put in snow mass, and that was a really, really large improvement. Snow mass was one of the giant jumps or leaps. Yes, it was. I remember. Yeah. And uh, and then and then snow mass to sunlight, another jump, 
Um, so you don't have to necessarily well, go in order. You could, if you want to start off well, with like more dramatic. But the uh, thing is, Wyndham was pretty dramatically different from Snowmass. It was, yeah. And then, um, anyway, it, it's. I it's, think Wyndham and the Sunlight is more dramatic than Snowmass to Wyndham. Yeah. 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 So going from, if you want to hear something dramatic, go from Tories to, uh, to Snowmass, and then Snowmass to Sunlight, and yeah. that will be dramatic. But you're hearing digital changes. See, this is different than it's not like rolling tubes. It's, it's not so like changing c- cables. Yeah. You know, it's a different domain that you're changing. It, it, it different things that you need to listen for, and the way it affects the sound is different when you're dealing with jitter and dealing with uh, noise artifacts uh, that's on the actual signal itself, uh, which is what is, is, is happening. How he manages thought, the clocks. I thought all decks um, sound the same. Uh, no, no, it's... No. No? No. Okay. Not, not the case. All right. Uh, mental note. <laughs> all, right. all right. Let's get in some uh, questions. Let's get into some questions. Yeah. We've got some uh, great questions. If, if you want to be a part of the podcast and send us a question, send us a tip or send us a great album recommendation, we are always up for that. Our uh, email address is hi-fi at outlook.com. Outlook. That's the, uh, the Microsoft. Um provider okay so we're going to start with this one from dave hildebrand and dave lives in denver and uh so he's a local here's a weird question dave writes at what point would it be possible for listening rooms to employ noise cancellation a la headphones to keep outside noise out is that a distant star trek idea or is it within the realm of possible and then Dave also asks uh, for discussion for newbies and intermediates about the subject of room treatment. Well, I liked this question because I've had this thought before, you know. And um, I mentioned this in the podcast, the most recent one with Chris Brunhaver. Um, but I remember, and I can't think of the company off the top of my head, and I, I, I know I've searched for it before again because I was talking about it and I couldn't find it. So I know... It'll take me a minute, but it's a company that's producing these speakers that have microphones uh, paired with them, like yes. next to them. Like like uh, attached to them. And the right? idea, yeah. and they have a software, and the idea is you buy like 16 of these, and you place them in a grid in a room, and then you use this software, <clears throat> and they've gone out and sampled all of these different environments. And yeah. They, and you can actually make the room sound mm-hmm. just standing in the room mm-hmm. like a bigger room or a smaller room or a yeah. giant room or something like that. Um, all delivered by these speakers. And so it's obviously, and it's in a grid, so it's obviously not, it's not stereo and it's not, you know, but it's something. And, and I hear that it's spooky. That's, that was, I was reading this thing that it was like a review of that and somebody was like, wow, this is spooky. Just wonder over time whether, you know, you'd want to live with something like that or whether it's it's just something that impresses at first, but then... Or or it serves as a project for some some busy PhD. Like, it's kind of like, what's the application? Yeah. Okay, you know, this topic right here, this ties directly into the main topic of today. So, um, so we're going to actually circle around a little bit to this uh, uh, once we get to the main topic because... Um, recordings, uh, are one of those things 
that do limit what we can do with technology and audio. And uh, and let's just uh, hold that thought, and we're gonna get we're gonna yeah. get back to that in the yeah. main main topic of today. But but it, it, it ties right in with with just this example of of this uh, room simulation there. Um, as far as the the question is is that uh, can you have some sort of noise cancellation in a listening room, or in the future could you have something like that, uh, similar to what's being done in headphones? Um, and uh, and I just I don't think that in high end audio that is something that we will really adopt. Um, there are you know a room is different than a very confined space like a headphone. Um, I was gonna say it has to only it can only happen in a closed space, right? And, and you can only do it with sound outside of that closed space. Yeah. And so it's like it's only applicable if you have like a giant air conditioner unit right next to your wall, I guess, on the other side, right? So you mount the the microphones. I don't even know where you'd mount microphones in the in the wall, maybe. Um, the problem you would the problem you would again, play back that through the stereo system, and you play back the negative phase version of that. And so the the problem is is that capturing so in the way that the noise canceling headphones work is that they actually capture the sound coming to your ears outside of o- the outside of it the cups and yeah. then they invert that and they sum it to your the music. music so they add the inverse to your music yes yeah so that's easy to do because can a, you do that in the analog domain by the way or well, you digital? could, but they don't do that. They don't, yeah. No, but you, you theoretically could, but you're way better off doing it in the DSP domain, yeah, or a digital domain. Because you always see, like, um, noise-canceling headphones have a little battery. So yeah, it's, 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 it's all active. DSP, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, and so, you know, one thing is, is that the frequency response in that headphone, even if it's uh, something that's not really that nice, is still a lot better than your room. Yeah. Um and so it's easier to predict. Yeah. It's more ideal environment. So mm. you can you can predict Interesting. the um how the that that noise that's on the exterior that you want to cancel is more ideal so it works better. The yeah. cancellation actually right. works. Right. But the problem with the room is that where do you even capture the where's sound? the microphone? Yeah, where's the microphone? Yeah. Exactly. Is if it you, on the other if side? If you put of the it drywall? on one side of the room where you put even five of them and average them you still have a product from that because you're not capturing exactly what's going to your ear well you need to capture as little of the music in that microphone as possible yeah because once you start capturing some of the music in that microphone then it's going to invert it out of phase into the music and you're going to lose your music so it's like and then it it would have to be speakers going outside the room i mean i just don't even see outside of the room is i don't even see how it could happen right yeah it's for me, it's my mind kind of explodes when thinking about it. So it's, yeah, I think it's a problem that's at first thing very very challenging, and then second is, I just don't think it's it's something that's practical. I mean, a lot of people who I'd say the majority who would really be interested in something like that are people who live in apartments, yeah. and then you couldn't even put the speakers outside of your apartment because that's no longer your apartment. So it's like, hey, uh, your downstairs neighbor. It's like I'm going to install some speakers on your ceiling. You know, is that okay with you? <laughs> I just thought of a way that it could work. So, say it's not an apartment. Say it's a big house, and you just have kids playing over here. 
or you have your wife talking on the phone in the kitchen, right? And so what you would do is you'd have this little module that's probably like Wi-Fi or whatever, but it's got the microphone. And you just you casually walk over to the noise source and just sort of like slide it onto the table wherever they are, <laughs> right? Just kind of slink back to your stereo system. And then you turn it on. And it's like capturing their conversation and then reversing it. But it still wouldn't be at the amplitude that you would hear it at your listening position. It'd be at a higher amplitude. So it would like take more of it out. It just wouldn't work. But that is oh, a kind of funny idea. You know what? I, I just uh, realized I, um, I was thinking about noise isolation from the outside. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, this is, this is like uh, he's talking about actually noise coming from the outside and trying to cancel it in the room yeah i mean we're kind of okay. like talking about both because uh we well were, the, we the were noise right cancellation in, in the ladder is a lot easier but it's still I about just, how to capture it in the first place yeah, would be really difficult and it's not going to be at the level that yeah. you are hearing at your listening position which is exactly what you want to take out you don't yeah. want to take out what it sounds like at the area of the conversation it's just yeah. not it's not possible to do this very well I, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, I don't see it as something that would really uh, be of interest to a lot of people, unless you were in something a really, really noisy environment, and it was a point source like an air conditioning. Then you could like mic that and invert it into your system. But there's a lot of problems. I still with all think that. you'd have to match the level at, w- at what it appears to be at your listening position for it to be like exactly. Not That's why the noise canceling headphones cutting. work is because yeah, it's it's always it's right from there. the source of how you yeah. would hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, it's extremely difficult, and um, I did, for some reason, I was thinking the other way around, that you'd want to try to isolate the room, that's but just I, because that's my main problem, or people's main problem is actually annoying others with sound. Oh, <laughs> right, right. And, uh, and so... Oh that's, I, oh, that's why you said speakers. Yeah, there's speak. speakers on the that outside, because I'm trying to... Trying to actually, you know, invert the the sound coming from the room. So I don't know That's what I. I'm a little in the clouds today. I was thinking the other way around. But yeah, but you'd want a microphone on that one, and then you'd want it to <laughs> not pick up their conversations, which would be undone. And gosh, that it, it's the room. It, yeah, to answer it just cleanly is that it doesn't work like headphones. I don't, I don't know if we can and pull this off, Dave. The, the the headphones are are very effective. Like. Um, Especially the Bose uh, headphones with can they probably have the best noise canceling technology, and uh, those are very, um, very effective to the point where the U.S. Yeah, military awesome. has actually used the Bose right. uh, noise canceling technology. So, well, that kind of um, s- stuff technology is used in a lot of places in, in quieting industrial air conditioning units. In mm-hmm. uh, I know Jaguar was one of the first automakers to start employing noise cancellation in their engines mm-hmm. um so that's interesting or maybe in the cabin for the engine noise but yeah mm-hmm. again we're talking about a really enclosed space that uh it's pretty straightforward what the main noise source is it's the tires in the engine and uh and you can remove that you know uh pretty surgically but in mm-hmm. a listening room it's it's a lot different yep <clears throat> all right well dave um David, one of these days we are going to uh, hit up again. Um, we're going to talk about rim treatment, and we'll we'll approach it from the um, perspective of newbies and intermediates. And uh, that's a great that's a great uh, topic idea. So thanks for that, Dave. We should talk about um, you know uh, noise isolation. 
a little bit sometime. Yeah, too. SRC yeah. versus which NRC. is really really what I was originally talking about. I don't know why I NRC had that is in absorption my mind. within a room. SRC yep. is the reduction of transmission to other rooms. Yes, trying to isolate. Yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that one of these days. Yep. All right. Thanks, David, for that email. Here we go to the next one. Um, this one's from Joe. Joe uh, Englander. Joe writes, it's obvious both of you guys are very particular about your music sources. I noticed on the equipment page, Darren says, Rune server is a Mac, Apple Mac Mini. And it appears that in the pictures, some some kind of laptop is working in D- Duncan's system. Can you talk about the quality of streaming as a music source, your preferred software, and whether you think dedicated streamers or servers are a significant upgrade to using a computer? Maybe streaming isn't up to your quality standards for serious listening, or maybe the hardware isn't yet there, or what? Anxious to hear what you have to say. Thanks for writing, Joe. This is a topic that's um, <clears throat> dear to our hearts. Um, well, I'll start. My That laptop was uh, playing Rune to my system, um for a while until I was able to stretch an ethernet cable all the way from the uh, router, you know, down through the crawl space and under the basement and back up into the listening room. So I, I have, I mentioned I have a direct stream junior from PS audio. That's my DAC and preamp and it has a built in server, um, called a, a bridge. They call a bridge. And, um, that is my preferred source period. Full stop. It's a great streamer, and I am a huge fan of Rune, and I have Tidal and Kobuz accounts, and it's just perfect for me. I can access everything on my iPad or phone or any phone my wife can. <coughs> um, I've been thinking about upgrading my Ethernet cable, but you know, it's the quality I'm able to get is is incredible, and so. Um, I would, you know, it's, it's much better than just the, the computer USB to the DAC, um, for many reasons. One of the first ones that I was told about or or learned about was just the fact that USB was never intended as a music conveyance method. It's, uh, it's a full stream it's a stream. It's not like packetized. Packetized. It's got to go in order. It's a huge pipeline of of information, and there's a lot of error that happens in it. Not only that, but there's a five volt DC line, and there's um, I want to say not compromised, but like not optimized power supply running that. Um, oh yeah, in many cases, and and so. Um when they first started using USB, um, they had a lot of clock-related issues because the clocking that came from the computer was, uh, of course, really messy and full of a lot of jitter. And um, and so then uh, they they actually started coming out with uh, asynchronous synchronization, right. uh, which is essentially where you the the computer is now or the DAC is now telling the computer when to give the information. And so the DAC actually gets to clock 
the data itself. And so that's a lot cleaner. Yeah. And so um, when XMOS started releasing the uh, the chips that had asynchronous technology in them, uh, that's when USB got a lot better. But yeah. there's still a lot a uh, lot of things that aren't really optimal about USB and that is really the fact that it's still an electrical connection to your to your computer, and so you have a ground connection that uh, that is connected between the DAC and the computer, and that translates a lot of noise. Yeah, and so that's why USB can sound great, and it can also sound horrible. It's depending on how you isolate it or how you have it set up. The USB cables change the sound a lot. Um. So USB is one of those things where I've heard it sound great, and I've also heard it sound um, terrible. And uh, and you have a and, USB to SPDIF converter that's pretty good. Now, does that yeah, it's kind like, of it's not bad, you know? I mean, and oh, I was going to comment. My my setup is yes, it's a Mac. It was it is a Mac Mini running running to uh, USB to um, to the direct stream and then i also have bridges and i have also the uh usb to uh spdif converters i have a matrix now um uh which is uh a very nice unit that converts usb to um spdif outputs like uh ebu uh i think it has toslink is a company called matrix Oh boy, you're testing me on that. Yeah, I, I forgot the we, we main company. We still need a picture a of your. Uh, um, we still need a picture of your Wilson room, and so let's get a picture of that up on yep, the website. Absolutely. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's slipping. I don't believe the the company's name is Matrix. The the main company is slipping my mind right now. But um, uh, so I have all those different devices, and to be honest with you, uh. My answer to this question is that the absolute best way is through... It's the Matrix through, Audio X SPDIF 2? I believe so. Yeah, so it is Matrix it, Audio. Matrix Audio, okay. X SPDIF 2. And, and I've heard it at your system. It's it's great. Yes, it is It is great. Um, they do reclocking inside of it, and yeah. uh, you can also upgrade the power supply on it, and that gives further improvements and people, you know, deck it out with putting crazy nice cables all around it and yeah. say that you can really get a lot of performance out of it. Yeah. Now, the answer to this question, in my opinion, is that very nice high-end servers that have been designed for high-end audio still the way to go. And a computer, in the end, connected any, any sort electrically to your system is isn't something that you want to do uh and the only reason why i kind of am still operating on the system i am i'm operating on is because i i don't have a server and we are currently uh designing a server and i'm waiting on yeah i'm waiting on that, that server makes sense. uh and i just uh to be honest with you don't want to cough up the change for a for a server right now um but yeah, if, also, if you, i had you, the you money I, uh, I i would i would uh I would probably buy a NUOS. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You're a fan of the NUOS. Yeah. You you also can't run an Ethernet from your router to your DAC. Oh no, I I do in the large room. I have that. Well, in the big room because yeah. that's where the router is. But in your Wilson room, where the no, Wilsons are, I don't have that. No. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's where you, I have my actual computer I mean, you'd, now. You'd be walking over that thing. You'd have to run it through your kitchen. Yeah. To the yeah. Den. Yeah. Exactly. And so, um, 
I just have that's where I have the matrix interface. Sometimes it's all you you have to the, use USB is is my yeah. point. And yeah. and that's where I was before. Yeah. Yeah. I do recommend the matrix um if you don't currently have a uh any sort of advanced USB configuration. Um I would I would recommend the matrix. I think it's only uh four hundred and fifty bucks or so yeah. and it's 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 worth every penny of that. Yeah. Um cool. So uh so yeah, that's that's my answer is that the, the still the way to go are these yeah. really high end servers and they do they do offer uh uh, more improved sound quality over, uh, over just running USB from a computer. Cool. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right, Joe, thanks for that question. Yeah, we, we, um, we do feel passionately about this cause we're digital. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a strictly digital guy, but, uh, we're, we're both real fans of, you know, what's happening with digital music lately streaming yeah, is crazy and good. and uh the more experience that you get with digital you start realizing because i've been i've been saying this quite a bit is that digital is just as finicky as analog it's just as difficult to set up as analog uh it was marketed as this thing that's plug and play you take it home yeah you plug the power cable in the socket you you connect your your audio cables and then you have perfect sound yeah not true at all Right. Like everything matters, and the um, the source that the digital information is coming from, whether it's a transport that's playing an optical disc, whether it's a computer, or whether it's a dedicated audio server, really, really, really matters. This is like your cartridge on your turntable. It really, yeah. really matters. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So. Well, thanks, Joe, for that question. Um, and good luck with uh, all of your stereo endeavors. Um, okay. We're at our topic. Cool. Um, I love this topic. Uh, as some of you might have might know from listening, I've uh, been doing a bunch of mastering engineer, engineering this year and in the last year and done a bunch of recording in the past. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I have my feelings about the loudness wars and, um, you know, it's, but then, you know, when I'm tasked as a recording engineer to do a good job, which largely is defined by the band being happy with it, mm-hmm. you find yourself needing to compromise on things and to push the volume up to be competitive with the bands that they want to be competitive with online and you or you or you listen to an inferior recording and you know that the only way to bring this to is this should be remixed but they don't want to remix it and the only way to bring this to a good sounding mix is to bring things closer together you know Mm -hmm. and so i've been on both sides of this coin where I'm the audiophile gritting my teeth because at the end of this song there's this crescendo and they're compressing the hell out of it yep. and you can hear the EQ change on it. Uh-huh. You can hear and it just starts sounding strident and you don't like it anymore. So you're in a unique situation that you've been on both sides and you, you're you aware of both sides. But I feel strongly that within the audiophile community that we don't talk about recording quality enough. 
you know, yeah. we mention it, like audiophiles are like, oh, this is a good recording and this is a bad recording and they understand that. But we don't talk about the importance of a good recording and, and for good recordings to be made and how it affects us as, as audiophiles and how it affects what we want in our systems. And I, I truly believe that it all starts with the recording process and from there, audiophiles then decide how things sound based on those recordings that they listen to. Yeah. And that's the way it goes. It's not It's not necessarily... And I think that's the misunderstanding between some audio engineers that design audio equipment that are just focused, they're just, their head down is in the audio equipment world versus the audiophiles who are listening and they say, well... No, I don't prefer the component that is technically supposed to be more transparent. I prefer this. And I think one of the reasons for that, there, uh, there, I think there are you know, uh, mul- multiple reasons, but one of the reasons is that perhaps they're listening to uh, recordings that aren't the best recordings. So, and so the question would be, it, w- it comes up as, as, do you really want the most transparent system when when 80% of your music is uh, is of average audio quality, you know? Yeah, we've talked about, like, like, a little bit of this kind of thing, but the idea of your musical taste changing because you make your system more revealing and the stuff you were listening to isn't listenable anymore. Yeah. But, um, you know... Or, the- or it's having some sort of... There's some sort of synergy with it, too. I, I think a lot of... A lot of audiophile recordings are, like overly lush and overly easy um on the top end and all that kind of stuff in there you know so so it it goes in line with if you have um you know a brighter system a lot of the audiophile stuff is going to sound better than 1950s jazz why does the 1950s jazz lean towards a little bright being a little bright itself was because it was mastered on systems that were really warm Right, that's that true. didn't have great extension and, right. and and great treble, so they they cranked it up on the recordings. Right, that's and true. and then right. now now where you have you know really high end speakers that have really great high frequency extension and response, you hear how it's been boosted in the in the upper end. Yeah, that stuff's unlistenable. And uh, and then it goes in the same direction of there's a lot of equipment out there today that has actually its distortion is that it's a little bit more forward than than neutral just in my opinion and so that now you have the opposite situation where there's some audiophile stuff that has been mastered on some you know some of these systems that are a little bit more forward leaning and so they're overly lush and overly kind of rolled off in my opinion sometimes yeah Yeah. and so um and and, you know so i i think that's that's kind of one of the points I wanted to make was just how the recording affects what we choose in our systems, and the rec- so so recording it, it, quality it, it, another, overall would benefit us if we can go towards in improving recording quality, improving standards in studios and mastering uh, scenarios where where there are you know the, the um. The BBC wanted to do this. They wanted to create a loudspeaker that was a standard for mm-hmm. broadcast, right? Mm-hmm. Well, making standards around recordings and how they're mastered would be, in my opinion, a first step towards having having better recordings that are more consistent and then 
then we can start following a certain path in in the uh, in our equipment. So uh, another way of saying what what you're talking about is that uh, recording quality sometimes gets audiophiles reaching for their euphonic tools, which is yes. Here's my 300 B amp. Here's my mm-hmm. um, copper cables that sound different. And They're playing role of of mastering engineer. Yeah, and um, yep. And then, and then uh, another thing that came to mind when you're talking about a standard for recording, you know, the BBC was focused on a standard that that worked well for voice. And the uh, interesting thing about voice is that it's non-creative. It is what it is. The voice just is. And then, yeah, if you can act- accurately reproduce that, that's something. By the way, speaking of recording. I don't have headphones on right now, but I can tell we're listening to, or we're speaking through handmade ribbon mics, so this wind around here is <laughs> probably causing some, some issues. Uh, apologies for that. But but the idea that, um, that uh, when you're talking about a good recording, sometimes there's elements of a recording that are purely co- creative and not realistic. And so it's, it's kind of pigeonholing our, ourselves to to the realistic and uh that lends itself to the jazz groups the the classical stuff you know there's no wonder that that's those are the kind of leading audiophile genres you know um yep i i heard um i'm gonna let the dog in the house he's just just the other day i i heard uh someone talk about the subject of the future of audio and he said uh he said well I actually think the future of audio is starting with the recording process. I think it's it's recording, uh, you know, the first thing is we need to record. He said we need to record it in a way that's different through the conventional microphone. Like we need a whole new device to record, to record how we take in and record the music. Well, so this is the problem is that people have come up with all these new systems that could, could possibly bring what they consider a uh, you know a live reproduction in your home and but all that would be centered around just these 10 recordings that they can muster up that uses that technology yeah you know it's kind of like the sony sacd and multi-channel it's like a how many are there you know when they were launching in 2000 it's yeah. like okay here's our catalog of 50 recordings yeah that have been mastered in in 5.1 you know sacd and uh, and now you need a 5.1 setup to reproduce it, and at least they gave you the chance of having you know it in two-channel SACD and yeah. the actual compact disc Not to layer, just limit the, you to the 50. PCM layer. Yeah, but um, but that is an example of how new technology in recording is extremely hard to pull off because if you venture too far out. You start getting out of the format that everybody has for the 99.999% of music. And so the fact that we have, you know, most music today, the uh, overwhelming majority of music is two-channel PCM. Yep. And it's Redbook, yep. the majority the majority of music uh, uh, out there. And so, you know, you... Uh, if you venture out into this new extravagant system that... That yeah sure maybe it's absolutely amazing to reproduce, 
but it's not compatible with our our typical standard format, uh, meaning two channel systems and um, uh, it's not going to be something that's realistic for 99% of the audience. And so it's really hard to change something. Now, what I, what I propose is that we just work on the system that we have now because we know that 99% of recordings don't even take advantage of what we have. And uh, that, that there's so much more to get out of even, even Redbook, even 16-bit 44.1. There's so much more. Uh, to squeeze out of that than most recordings utilize. Oh, we always come across red books that sound great. You know, sure. And digital. Sure, and... because most recordings aren't even living up to the capability of that. Right. right. And, and that has really been, in my opinion, the pitfall of, of digital, uh, specifically also for remasters in digital. They've been generally poor. You know, and then you put on the record... Um, and it's it's way better. Yeah. So that was, the th- you know, we're just now in the past ten or fifteen years of the CD, seeing what the CD is actually capable of. And in just my opinion, the CD ca- is capable of quite a lot. And uh, you know, we're continuing to have more recordings that take advantage of that. But still, the average recording doesn't even come close to taking advantage of digital technology and reproduction. Right. I had a found an album from uh this violinist that I recorded a couple in a couple bands um he's a well-known guy in this circle of acoustic uh you know hotshot young hotshots that I mention a lot you know like that uh Bluegrass and the Absolute Truth album we recommended 3 mm. albums ago that had some of these guys that know this guy Mike and uh and like Two of his tracks feature Sarah DeRose. One features Sierra Hull. One is with Dominic Leslie, which is a mandolinist, a uh, local mandolinist that's won all these awards. Um, and so the album's called Plus One. It's got a name Mike Barnes. And um, he's a fiddler, and he's an incredible... In, oh, and he's got uh, Stash Weislouch on there, the Stash band. If you're not familiar with Stash Weislouch, W-Y-S-L-O-U-C-H, I believe. Crazy, crazy guy. He's this uh, guitarist that's so incredibly talented, but he's he goes avant-garde with his bluegrass guitar. So he'll go, he'll, he'll um, gosh, what are the things that he does? On Instagram, he'll take... Um, a trumpet solo, and he'll do it on guitar mm. in real time. So it's I like, love. And I love that kind of stuff. And he'll actually yeah. sing along with it, and he's just like mind blowing. This guy, this energy in his brain, mm. crazy guy, Stash Weislouch. His his real name is Stanislaw, and actually I've uh, recorded him with a band called The Deadly Gentleman, um, of which Mike Barnes was a member. He, has, mm. he was a fit, played fiddle in that band. Um, oh, anyway. I love I love um, when a musician tries to emulate or, or impersonate another instrument, another instrument on sure. on a different one. I, I think that yeah, yeah that's cool. Ishak Perlman was a, a, a master that? of yeah. that. Oh, is he still alive or is he? I, I don't know. How, but I hope sure. he's still alive. Um, yeah. But uh, but he's a he's a master of of that. Um, well, anyway, I, I I fire up this album 
and it's pretty disappointing sound quality you know it's and it's and i can tell what it is 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 you know um they made the best of the recordings that they had Mm. and you know it's it's almost like audio where um mistakes made in the source can can never be really fixed um properly you know Mm. as you go through this process and Mm -hmm. i would say there's probably like bandwidth issues or something like that in the recording that ended up you know even even with mastering um i don't know it just it's so i play that and i play bluegrass and the absolute truth recorded in two different places similar types of things similar approach minimal instrumentation max four people probably and uh and it's no question it's just such a better recording you know Mm -hmm. but but you know one of the things that that isn't talked about enough is just that musicians don't have money it's money is really hard to come by for 99 percent of all musicians everywhere and really great recording is very expensive Mm -hmm. and it's it's not just the the equipment you're paying for it's the brains behind the equipment that have heard it all and know what to do and know how to make not make the mistakes in recording and give themselves a lot of um you know fine-tuning ability in the mastering stage that that kind of thing so having gone through this process there's so many possibilities for for um compromising the eventual thing and you really have to you know you have to work with somebody that's attentive to every single detail at every Mm -hmm. single second of those recording situations so yeah it's it's a great album musically the plus one from mike barnes is incredible and i wanted to um use it as a recommendation Mm. um but i can't because it's just not the recording quality is not there Mm. so yeah it happens you know what's interesting is that um so we've kind of outlined that recording quality is incredibly important to what we want as audiophiles and and the gear that we pick like if you're just listening to really bad recordings your gear might be different than someone who's listening to just audiophile recordings the gear that you would prefer um and what what's interesting is that the solution is almost the opposite of what you think it would be the solution is for ever for to 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 grow the interest of audio quality in the population to to let people understand that that hey audio quality brings you know enjoyment to the listening process whether yeah. that's better headphones and a better DAC and a phone or it's crazy you know ridiculous audiophile setups it's that the population cares about audio quality that's actually the attack yeah. to get studios to wake up because yeah. because in the end of the day a lot of studios what are they what's their main goal their main goal is to produce a product that makes money and and if if the population starts requiring higher audio quality then it will go up on the list but to be honest with you um especially when we get into pop music uh it just seems that audio quality is not is very 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 far away from the top priority yeah it's the uh millions and millions and millions of dollars that they're going to get if they if they if they produce this and that is that is really the product in the end and then we have we have all other drivers like the um you know the level the level wars where you know they want their song to be louder and and more compressed so that it stands out 
on a radio on an iPhone. So in the 50s, so, this is where this started, was from jukeboxes, because there were no standards mm. for recording levels. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you were an artist, you could blow into a town, see a recording studio, cut a single, and, like, you know you pay for it and you got your thing and then then you know you you could actually start moving around so there some were recorded hotter than others and jukebox owners noticed which were getting played the most and mm. over enough of a sample size they just really came to the conclusion that this human bias of we like stuff that's the same but a little louder for some reason it you know and fletcher months and curves play into this but um yeah, they noticed that that they could get their artists more plays if they recorded it hotter. Makes sense. Yeah, and so that's where that started, and it's never not been true. It's a human thing that we do. It's yep. one of our biases. The only problem has been that digital allows you to do that where analog limits you Yeah, in its capability of you know basically running it straight close to zero dBFS, which is basically the, the, well, the ceiling digital, of, of output. With digital, you can do more than just one thing with, with the old way to do it you could push the the volume of everything up so that the very top peaks end up getting leveled off by the saturation of the uh, the, the tape and the yeah. and the limits of the yep. tape and but that actually didn't sound horrible you know it was a very natural horrible. compression so that that's clipping it. the top off yeah now another thing you can do with digital now is you can raise the 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 bottom and leave the top untouched mm-hmm. or you can raise the bottom and bring the peaks up and clip the peaks off mm-hmm. and, and you can make it even the window even smaller of and they're range. applying different styles of compression like more complex styles of compression through plugins and yes. and and digital dsp units and that kind of stuff and because it's so assumed to be part of the final product it's it's on the track level so you'll have you'll have limiting and maximizing of a vocal just on the vocal track and that's how it gets to the mastering right. engineer yeah yeah because because they because the at the production level the recording engineers and the labels want a little more control over what parts get mm-hmm. are are done and so, you'll actually hear that in recordings where there's like maybe a sample or there's like a one instrument that's not recorded well but there's another part of it that's actually great yeah, and you know, like, and so it they, stands out on a nice compress system. certain tracks yeah. oh, sure. on the recording itself. Most and often that's vocals, by the way, mm. because most often vocals is the big biggest variable where mm. it has to do with how the person's feeling, their posture, their, yeah. their the, the... How close to the microphone. How healthy their throat's feeling, yeah. um, how close to the microphone they're constantly moving, moving back, back and forth. Because their mouth yeah. is at the top of this based... Yeah. device or you know body that's six five feet tall and you've got you know at the very top is where the sound comes out and that part is not the ones that's connected to the ground so it's just all these yeah. things so it's always moving around i love when a musician like knows how to utilize that like oh, at a live show great. where they yeah. they back Mixing out themselves. and they, they just open up but they know to back off the microphone i hear david that's bowie the, was ugh. so good at that that they didn't have to use like any compressors on yeah. his vocals sometimes because he was just like to the millimeter or just coming back and mm-hmm. just doing, you know, very controlled. Glenn Hansard comes to mind for me with yeah. that. He's just as his range, his dynamic expression in the way that he sings. And then he, he just, I've seen him multiple times live and just how he backs off the microphone and will just belt. And it's just, it works when it's like that. But 
Yeah, but, a lot but of some musicians don't, don't that. know that, uh, to how to utilize that. Yeah. So yeah. how many albums have you heard where the instruments come in and you're like, whoa, that's a great recording of that instrument. And the vocal comes in the middle, but the image is not as clear. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little diffuse of an image. Well, a lot more treatment has gone on to that track. Mm-hmm. Um, what You know, my... Uh, People always use the the Red Hot Chili Peppers album as the you know example of the worst um, maximi- maximized you know compression in the smallest dynamic range. Famously has like three dB of dynamic range. Is there a specific the album, album? Do you know? Yeah, it's called Californication. Oh, yeah. Californication. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. like two dB or something. It's, it's absurd. Really? Yeah, but yeah. Um, huh. for me, actually, uh, I was checking out what. Ed and a latest Ed Sheeran track sounded like I don't know people were talking about Ed Sheeran when his album came out I put it on and I'm like oof that vocal is so maximized like wow and just for fun I turned my I just kept turning my DAC down I was like I'm gonna turn this down until I can't tell what he's saying I had it on one and it was clear as day what he was saying but I couldn't hear any other instrumentation. It was just kind of muffled in the background. But what he was saying, I could hear all of his words, you know, and that's what it's for. That's why, that's why it's done. Um, it's a exaggeration of an example. It's just crazy if you listen to it. But and there's a lot of pop music today, of course. Like I said, that is just being compressed. And you've got, Imagine. you know, if 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 the intended listener, if. 70% of all listeners to this Ed Sheeran album are listening in their car. Mm-hmm. Well, add all of that road noise and all of the noise floor goes way up. Yeah. And uh, then it makes a lot of sense. You know, it makes more sense. And uh, it's not and fun for, for us. So it's really important, you know, going forward into the future. It's really, it's really also really important that we capture this music really well. That so this I, is an, an important point that I'm glad you're, you're getting to. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's very important. It's like intrinsically important that we capture incredible art as, as well as we can now. Right. Because in the future, when we do have even better equipment, it's gonna be, we're going to be able to utilize that and... I just don't think that's really being done now. I mean, if you look at some of the, you know, we go up on, I'm talking some of the big sellers of today, you know, or, or this past decade, you know, Adele 21, like major, major top five album in the past decade as far as, you know, sales. And I actually recommend if you haven't heard the album to actually listen to it on your system because it is a shining example of what we're talking about here with compression the way that you'll you're you'll hear intros where her voice actually sounds normal yeah it sounds and it really actually good has dynamic range to her voice yeah and then it gets into where she starts starts belting yeah and it just through a really nice system it to me it sounds like five percent ten percent distortion on her voice yeah because it's just absolutely compressed and it's compressed the the point of just straight distortion changing her voice yeah with no expression yeah. and it's just as loud as the intro and it's removing that was supposed her, to be the nuances which make her one of the greatest singers of yeah. that time period yeah. yeah yeah absolutely yeah and i mean it just robs it in my opinion when the the peaks come it absolutely robs her voice of what's important so in like 20 years yeah. you know people might not be listening to ed sheeran but they might be interested to check out what 
this Adele is like. And mm-hmm. we've already seen pushback against the um, loudness wars in the sense that a lot of these streaming platforms have pledged to not play all music at the same volume. Mm-hmm. There's an a- analysis that goes on that anal- that analyzes its dynamic range it takes the rms and takes the peak information and it bases how loud it's going to play it on the rms not on the total or Mm -hmm. on the peak and so um what it does is it plays maximized music slightly quieter so um and there's a itunes is doing it too there's a thing called um i forgot they call they call it each have their own terms but so 20 years from now you know maybe we're we're past this this thing where we exploit this human reaction to louder music and and somebody pulls out Adele and they just exactly. shake their head and say what were they thinking yeah like this was destroyed yes well, how, what's another analogy it's like a famous painting or something yeah where like some of the paint used was something trendy at the time it didn't hold up over time and now it's gone and you can only see part of the painting like, mm-hmm. you, nobody can enjoy that anymore it's just dead art that just f- dies and so or, or people prefer uh you know shining a certain type of light on it a distortion that makes it look better and, mm. and that's that's actually what they do is lighting sure. with old or um uh, old uh, pieces of art that have deteriorated, the lighting is really important to oh. make that art look as good as possible. Gotcha. And so they actually spend a lot of time in, you know, you know, like museums what or color like really light? like Mona Lisa like level of of pieces. Yeah, the 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 lighting is actually done in a very specific way to oh, make it look the best that it can. And that's what we're doing when we listen to really old. You listen to, um, you know, like some some. Uh, uh, What's what's her name? Uh, Mama Mama Thornton, or um, have you ever heard of her mm-hmm. before? No? no, I think it's Mama Thornton. I could be way off, um, <laughs> but uh, she um, there's this artist that's that's really amazing, and uh, you know t- tons of. Let me just uh, give an example, uh, a broad example. Um, just you know, ragtime music, for instance, that's been was recorded, okay. you know, way back um, in the 20th century. Uh, you know, and how we put that on our systems and it's just like, you know, something's coming out of the tweeter, you know, it's silly. It's like toy box music. Yeah. But if that was recorded with today's technology, you know, those people were probably incredible. They were ripper art. Yeah. Yeah, They were rippers, you know? And so, so that's just like kind of an analogy to, to why today we really need to do the best that we can. That's all I'm asking. It's not to even improve on what is possible. It's just actually try. Right. You know, and and uh, I, I think the most realistic possibility of actually getting that done is to expose the general population to what good sound quality is. And yeah, then I, they will start demanding it, uh, and that will demand cheaper components that sound better and people to to actually make small investments on something that's better than just uh, iHome yeah. or, or Google Home. And... and um, well, public perception you know. and and money. I mean, it's just we're you know we're talking about Adele because Adele could afford to to do better. Afford uh, whatever her, she wanted. Her label yeah. could have afforded to do better. Mm-hmm. But there's so many artists that only get 
one chance. Like they they pay for twenty hours of studio time, and they get what they get in there. And then the and the artists that a mastering are- engineer to kind of fix it and make it as good as possible, and that's it, you know. And so it's tough. It's when you got the the richest people, the only people that can access great production capabilities it's it's too bad but i almost feel like if you're at that level of adele or or a pop artist the only way that you're actually going to get something that's outstanding like as far as audio quality on your album is going to be like if you yourself demand it do it and you override everybody and you say nope like i don't i don't care like this is what matters yeah and today's album of the week yes is an artist Self-produced. Self-produced that demands extremely high audio and, quality. And this is a man that um, has the mental capability of holding all of these spinning plates in his hands. Yep. Because he, you know, arranges, pr- composes, uh, and and then performs, uh, directs. He's done, he's done these videos where he will do a full and he plays every instrument he can play drums as a virtuoso bass as a mm. virtuoso guitar as a virtuoso piano as a stunning virtuoso he's he's his piano chops are as good as Corey henry's i mean if you've seen there's videos of them going going at it uh in a duet on a piano that's just mind-bending there's um he he has he's gone into the stratosphere when it comes to music theory and he's teaching some of the greatest music theorists of our time he's yeah. teaching new things to them there yeah. are videos online of him educating herbie hancock on uh-huh. negative harmony there's videos online of him talking to the members of take six and they are dumbfounded with their mouths open while he's oh, talking musicians across the world about are. the circle of fifths yeah. and he's talking about <clears throat> this guy this man is 25 years old <laughs> all right and so i'm gonna let you hear um, we're gonna get into the album of the week. The album yes. of the week here and um we have been waiting forever to drop this one um and some of you might know it but we we just have to do it for those who don't because um it's uh he is one of our favorite artists and uh the recordings and the productions are some of the best that i've ever heard personally and so um, i'm gonna let you drop it Great. Since you're the one that introduced me a long time ago to, to him. Yeah. So the man's name, the kid's name is Jacob Collier. And uh, he just, I think, won his sixth Grammy this year or something like that. When you started listening to him, he, he technically was borderline a kid. He and was now, a kid. He was like 18 and or now 17. He's, now he's grown up doing doing really big stuff and being a um, just an absolute monster out there. So you got to talk about Jacob Collier one sliver at a time. Because uh, he's got so so many facets that mm-hmm. are that are all fully realized and are light years behind beyond what everybody else is doing in those individual facets. The first one I want to talk about is is music production. So the the way that he made a name for himself was on YouTube doing harmony over his own voice, and he would record a video track it's all very disciplined so if you ever done this doing you 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 make the arrangement and then you isolate the tracks and you do one each individual track and you do it on a timer and you get your your pitch and then you go and then you've got to compile all these things and you've got and he would do this with videos so you've got 16 different cells of yourself or 12 and you've got to time align all of these things and and make the harmonies work well 
Jacob never complains about the details. He's just a detail monster. Yeah. Because he just plows through it. So so he's producing at 17 years old these videos that were wildly complex, 12 cell videos of him singing very advanced harmonies well, of can... arrangements of f- famous songs. So he's arranging it, composing it, performing it, videoing it, directing it, producing it, and releasing it. And it's it's blowing people's minds. And he doesn't have a 17. weak spot. He doesn't have a weak spot. Like He, he, <coughs> he plays... So many instruments. He, he at a virtuoso level. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, his his vocal capability is out of this world. He and can does, do like six octaves. I mean, it's unbelievable. What and this then guy can music do. theory uh, is he's teaching classes and being, um, you know, traveling to like Berkeley School of Music to give yeah. lectures uh, yeah. in, at Berkeley School of Music and stuff like Master that. So classes. so it's. Um, you know, it's uh, he's a really big deal. He is kind of like John Mayer on steroids because he he does all of that where he's got kind of the whole the whole deal. But then he it's like with drums and and bass guitar and and guitar and piano and and then like ten other instruments. So and then there's this other really amazing. There's another sliver of him which is master of ceremonies. And if you've ever watched a YouTube video of his live show. He is such a showman. Yes, and, and, performer. And, yeah, he's yeah, a performer. And he crafts. You know yeah. what? I, I liken his shows to um, long menus at, at high-end restaurants where you'll have 20 courses. And because a human body can only take so much food, the courses are small. And, and they're actually intended to, as you go along this journey, they're, they're very unique. And they're intended to keep you in this great spot you know body wise but you keep enjoying all these little things he's he's like so so he's like the chef in that case where he's creating a show that has some parts of it there's call and response from the audience where he does you know choral directing from the stage but he but he expects more from his audiences so he'll actually direct them in rather complex harmonies so he'll split the parts of the auditorium and actually expect that they can handle this stuff and they do so it's pretty fun um but then you know he jumps around to different instruments and just wows and then he brings on guests um so anyway he's um incredible artist out of uh the uk he's british you, you know one of one of my favorite um performances <coughs> and, of him that i've ever seen yeah was is on well is on youtube and it's him playing one of those self-playing yamaha pianos oh a player it, piano yeah and so he um he first thing he starts playing you know the uh, the one track, and then it remembers. You know, uh, and it loops it and, and is able to loop it, and then he starts playing on top of that. Yeah, yeah. And it's just I don't think it's I've it's seen a that. mind blowing uh, performance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and the uh, how you know intricate musically it is, but then the average listener isn't overwhelmed with that musicality. Is such a rare thing because a lot of times things get too you know, m- music theory based and kind of challenging you know, musician. No, it's got like a, you know, musician sound to it where it's mm. only musicians that would go crazy oh, they, over they it and get show crazy. it to anybody sure, else sure, that sure. doesn't know about music. And yeah. they're just like, I don't know, man. It's like, it's, it's too, it's too, you Somebody know, would be uh, like, did you hear that I scale some, that I need did? some melody. 
You know, yeah, I need some yeah. melody and I actually need some flow and yeah. some, some like musicality and soul and emotion in it. Yeah. Well, he's able to like bridge the lines between that, yep. have something so complex, but yet uh, uh, seem simple if you don't know that much about it. Yeah. Interesting. You know, and that, that's a really rare, right, I know what you mean. really rare talent. It is. And he's able to do that. I feel like um, Bill Evans was good at that. Yeah, actually. yeah, I, I see what you mean by yeah. that. Yep. Um, well, so the album that we're recommending, he actually has uh, come out with three albums since, and a bunch of collaborations with other people, and pop so, artists too. I mean, he's he's really grown. He's to be working a, with everybody. Uh, now. A star. Yeah. yeah, he's a star now. Oh, he's an absolute yeah. worldwide star now. Yeah. But um, the album that we wanted to recommend was the first one that he came out with mm-hmm. because it's just so seminal for this. C- guy it's so good it's in and again he he produced this on little genelec powered speakers in his bedroom and he's got in in the the so the album's called in my room and it's got this circular panoramic photo of of his room and you could see 20 instruments you know just hanging on the walls and drum kits and stuff like that and uh and it was originally he was recording with SM58 microphones, but then he upgraded a little bit. But he's one of those guys that's like not a microphone junkie. Like he has Neumanns now, but it's like, you know, and he's big into the Key Audio 3 speakers, mm-hmm. uh, the Putsies kind of things. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, uh, his mod- his newer productions are are even more staggeringly like complex and beautiful. But this In My Room is this heart and soul of who Jacob Collier is, mm-hmm. um, produced between the years of I think 18 and 22 of him or of his or something like that um it's the title track is a send up of the Beach Boys song in my room and it's incredible it is Uh, he does a Stevie Wonder one uh on that track or on that album and it opens with a with a fairly um hyperactive uh, piece, you know, J- Jacob can go all over the place. Your favorite is the is the softer, quieter one on that album. Yeah, so it's I think it's the second to last track called uh, uh, "In the Early Morning." In the real early morning. In the real early morning. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Um, beautiful track. You and really I have used beautiful. that, by the way, really to, to like voice crossovers. To oh, we've yeah. used that track to um, determine the snow mass yep. load for direct stream and. We're we're always trying to target those albums that musically are ten out of ten and sonically. you know recording recording and sonically ten out of ten and and this is uh, a perfect example of one of those albums. Yeah. So the um, opening to uh, in my room, it's got the marble rolling left to right. Yep, and then right, right maybe back right it's to left. It's just it's the perfect little dash of audiophile, but right. just. Um, uh, incredible, you know, vocal jazz style and uh, yeah. And just touching, touching music, and um, and a great cover of the of the Beach Boys. So. And if you think for a moment that there's anyone else that has anything to do with this mastery you're listening to, you'd be wrong. It's mm-hmm. he does everything. He's yeah. a one man band. This guy, it's crazy, produces, masters, records. I mean, everything. So, so check check it out. Jacob Collier, um, in my room. Okay, well, that's our episode. Um, this is a great topic for us because we just—it's uh, near and dear to our hearts with yep. my experience, and just it should be to, to all of yours as well. It's—it's it's so much of what we do is uh, dependent on this music. So yeah, and designing audio equipment, I have to think about this all the time, and it's—it's it's this constant struggle inside of me. Do I produce right. equipment to you know that kind of um, veils and and tries to. Um, 
coddle recordings or do I produce something that is transparent that shows off really great recordings? Right. And, you know, I, I think there is a, a line to walk. Um, you can't just go swing on the super one side of things. And, and especially, there's no really, there's no such thing of a component that's truly 100% transparent, but there are more transparent pieces of gear than than others and you just as a designer it's just something that you have to think about and you're kind of like well where do where do i need to be on that scale um do i make my own decisions based off of what i prefer personally or do i think about this as a whole in the audio industry and where we're going and and um well you're hitting on a little bit of why we do this uh whole podcast remember Mm -hmm. on the front of our website says focused on fun yeah and what you're focusing on is make sure that the what you design is is enjoyed yes and and that's yeah yeah that's so important you're you're not trying to make something that oh this is going to educate people and change their minds and Mm -hmm. no you you meet people where they are and you bring them some joy. So that's yeah. That's why we do this hobby anyway. Yep, exactly. And that's why I design audio gear. Yeah. So, um. Anyways, well, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Um. And uh, again, our email address for questions is hi-fi at outlook.com. But with that, this has been another episode of the Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. I'm Duncan. I'm Darren. And we'll catch you next time. All right. Bye. The Hi-Fi Podcast with Darren and Duncan. Produced by Darren Myers and Duncan Taylor. It's copyright 2020 of Slope Productions. The intro and outro music is provided by Denver's Color Red Studios and features the song Bangs by the band Many Colors.